0: It's Kurt Steeler fans. What's going on? You are listening to another episode of Let's Ride. I am Jeff Hartman, your host. This is Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed some NFL playoff football. The divisional round wraps up. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday. Also, don't forget in the second half of this show, I have a Monday morning conversation with my good friend Chris Carter-CC, that's right, former BT- he's a BTSC alumnus, alumni, whatever you want to call it. He's going to join in the second half to talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers from his perspective inside the locker room, so make sure you stay tuned and listen to that. What I want to do for this first half is to start off with the news. And then we're going to play a little what-if game, a game that it's always fun to play in the offseason because, well, you have the time and the luxury of doing just that. But first, the news, all surrounding Brian Flores and where his future is going to lead him. Brian Flores, we already know, for defensive coordinator, he was interviewed or requested to be interviewed for the Cleveland job. He didn't get it. They chose Jim Schwartz. Atlanta and now Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings, all wanted to interview Flores for their defensive coordinator position. Now, there also are rumors that the Arizona Cardinals would like to have him possibly be the next head coach of the Cardinals after the Arizona organization fired Cliff Kingsbury, and they're looking for a new head coach. Other news, there's been some rankings floating around. Typically, these wait until everything is done, meaning the playoffs are done, but somehow let's get a head start on others. And you might be interested that the special teams rankings for the NFL in 2022 The Pittsburgh Steelers ranked 21st in one and 31st via Pro Football Focus. So when you think about it that way, not too good. Lastly, ESPN released their top 100 players. The Steelers had three players listed in the top 100. Minka Fitzpatrick, he was the first. And then the last two, Cam Hayward and Alex Highsmith. Uh, I don't know if that's disrespectful or not, but nonetheless something to think about, something to talk about. That's why they do it in the offseason. Speaking of the offseason, let's get right into this what-if game. Now, I've been teasing this since last Wednesday. I was going to do this for my Friday show. I tried. I changed my mind. I talked about Matt Canada because that was the news that the Steelers announced Matt Canada would be back, and this was the what-if game. What if? I mean, playing... Playing this hypothetical game. Some people love it, some people hate it. I tend to like it. I think it's fun to to talk these things out. So what if Kenny Pickett didn't get his shot to play in twenty twenty two? That is the what if that we are going to ponder today in the first half of this show. What if Kenny Pickett didn't play? I found it interesting. There was a there were some people, not a ton, but there were some people that thought that Kenny Pickett knew that he was going to enter the game in week four and Kenny Pickett spoke with Dale Lawley of Steelers.com this past week, and he said when he was asked, he said, I had no idea. He said, I didn't even take my helmet into the locker room. Matt Canada ran into uh, Kenny Pickett and said, hey, we might be going to you. And then Mike Tomlin came over and said, you're in. And so then he goes out early. He starts warming up. So uh, for those people that might be out there thinking, oh, Kenny knew he was going to the game, If he is, he's not showing his cards, and and it sounds like he did not know. So a lot of people will point back to this past season, and they will say that I was a very staunch supporter of Kenny Pickett and Kenny Pickett playing, and I'm not going to deny that fact. However, my support of Kenny Pickett, I don't want you to think that it was that of a quote-unquote fanboy of Kenny Pickett. I do not follow Pitt. Pan, the Pitt Panthers football program or anything like that. I did not really know anything about Kenny Pickett until he was a viable option for the Steelers in the NFL draft. And so I don't want you to think that was why I was petitioning in my own way with this show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to have Kenny Pickett be the guy in week one. Now, I, I had my reservations. Those reservations quickly dissipated after reports from training camp were very positive. Preseason play was very positive. Nonetheless, what happened happened. I just want you all to know that when we talk about my support of Pickett, it was because of the future of the franchise. I feel like I've explained this thoroughly on more than one occasion, but in case I didn't, I felt it was the future of the franchise. That's why I wanted Pickett to be in there. Not so much that I wanted, I I thought Pickett was the next franchise quarterback. It's not that at all. It was for the Steelers to be able to see what they have in Kenny Pickett. And let's talk this out. I mean, when you think about the Steelers, when you think about Ben Roethlisberger retiring after 18 seasons, if they were to have found their next quarterback in Kenny Pickett, how rare is that? There's only a handful of occasions where it goes from one great quarterback to the next great quarterback. When you think about Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, when you think about Joe Montana to Steve Young, there, are situa- there have been situations where it has occurred, but most Steeler fans, they think about the era of Bradshaw to Ben and all those quarterbacks that went in between. So that's why I was really rooting hard for Kenny Pickett, but some they were calling for a quote-unquote redshirt year. Similar to what Patrick Mahomes had in his rookie year when he sat, watched Alex Smith, Alex Smith's final year in Kansas City, his rookie year, and he played a little bit at the end of that season, but not much. A lot of people thought that's the way, that's the route the Steelers were going to go with Kenny Pickett, especially after they went out and got Mitch Trubisky on the first day of free agency, the first day of legal tampering. Well, what if what happened didn't happen? Now let's go with the Steelers finished with the same record. They finished 9-8, and eight, but Kenny Pickett doesn't play. So what does that look like? What does that look like? In terms of the statistics, I, we can't go back and say, well, what if Mitch tore it up? No, if the statistics were roughly the same in terms of touchdowns, interceptions, yardage, yards thrown, et cetera, And Kenny Pickett was nothing but a spectator last year. What would we be talking about right now? What would we, the fan base, be talking about as we sit here on January 23rd, the playoffs are still going on, the Steelers are preparing themselves for free agency in March and the NFL draft in in the spring. I think it's in April. What would we be talking about? What we would be talking about is the unknown commodity that is Kenny Pickett. We would be talking about the fact that the Steelers may or may not like Pickett enough that they choose to build around him. They w- We would be talking about if Mitch Trubisky is the answer and Kenny Pickett was a wasted first-round draft pick. I could go on and on with these hypothetical narratives surrounding the Steelers in the quarterback position if the Steelers didn't turn to Kenny Pickett when they did. Now there's people like Dave Schofield, and and I, I, Dave is a very intelligent man, and I put a lot of stock into what he says. He said, I never once thought that they were going to go a whole season without playing Kenny Pickett. And I I tended to agree. It, the, the question was not more so if, but when. But on the outside, chance that they wouldn't have played him, this offseason would have been vastly different than what it is right now. Think about the fact that Kenny Pickett got thrown into the mix against some really tough de- tough teams, tough defenses, and he struggled early. And he battled through, and then all of a sudden in the second half, we know what happened. They started to turn it on. We saw some late game magic from Kenny Pickett. It's just some really exciting stuff, and now the Steelers are now looking at a, a quarterback that's in place going into year two. Whether Mitch Trubisky is back, who knows. But right now they're looking at a quarterback that's in place, an offense that is unbelievably young and brimming with potential, and you have that biggest question on the offensive side of the football answered, at least for 2023, but it looks like 2023 and beyond with your quarterback. That makes this offseason so much easier. And so, yes, some would argue that you can't throw away a season. And I don't think that the Steelers did throw away a season. I don't think that the Steelers ever looked at 2022 and said, if we have to go to Kenny Pickett, it is, we're just, we're we're shooting blanks, essentially. We just don't care anymore. We're just going to, it's a bridge year, as the Pittsburgh Pirates would call it. I don't think that was it ever. They wouldn't have won seven out of their last nine if they, they were just throwing up the white flag of surrender and saying, yeah, we're done. You know, there were going to be struggles, but think about it in this aspect as well. Kenny Pickett got to go through all of that. He got to go through that murderer's row of the the, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins at the time were red hot, the uh, Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. I mean, I could go on. And he got to go through all of that, and he struggled. That sets him up for success success in next season and beyond. He will always be able to go back and glean from that experience. That is, to me, unbelievably important and was one of the reasons why I was the one. I felt like sometimes I was the only one, but I also felt like I was the loudest one at times saying, the Steelers need to turn to the future. And if he's not the future, they'll find out soon enough, but they need to look to the future. They did. I think they made the right decision. But it's when you think back of what this offseason would look like, could look like, if the Steelers didn't have the information that they have now about Kenny Pickett and in-game experience, I think it would be drastically different. I think the trajectory for this team, for this organization, it would all be drastically different. And when I say different, it wouldn't be for the better. It would not be for the better. This team, they took a risk. Mike Tomlin called it. He wanted a spark. Say whatever you want. Doesn't matter. But they took a risk. They took a risk with Kenny Pickett. They took a risk saying, we're willing to go through the bumps and bruises of a rookie quarterback learning on the job. And I think the risks that they took ended up paying dividends. The Steelers are in a much better position now than they, they would be if they hadn't. So what if Kenny Pickett didn't play? I think this offseason would be really difficult for the Steelers. Really difficult as it pertains to the draft, to free agency. It would just be it would be much different and not for the better. For me, I'm thankful that the Steelers did what they did. The only thing I wish is that they would have done it earlier, that they would have gone to Kenny Pickett earlier and said, "Let's give this kid an actual shot to start the season." It is what it is. I I know that hindsight's always 20-20. But nonetheless, the Steelers are in a good spot, in my opinion, going into this offseason. And it's all because they now know what they have in a very young and a young quarterback that proved a lot in his rookie season. Something that is always going to step up and deliver. That's Chris Carter. And he's coming up for the Monday morning conversation right after this break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time for the Monday morning conversation, as always in the off season, on my Let's Ride podcast. The second half of Monday's show is devoted to bringing in a guest, and this is one of the, the gold standards of guests on my show, and that is Chris <laughs> Carter, our former colleague at Behind the Steel Curtain. What's up, Chris? How's it going?
2: What's up, Jeff? Always happy to be back on BTSC. For those who know me now, y'all might not know my first ever writing stuff started right with BTSC. Used to do them late night shows with Jeff Hartman <laughs> and Lance breaking it down. Oh, I still, yeah. I still remember us just being flabbergasted about the Bengals playoff game when yes. Shazier ripped the ball out of out of Jeremy Hill's hands and doing a show right after that. We, I, I grinded a lot at BTSC, so it's always great to be back
0: those were the uh those were the blog talk radio days man like the that blog, that was when the sound quality it, it sounded like <laughs> we were uh talking to each other through cans and strings across <laughs> we, the country
2: <laughs> we were though it was basically
0: that it was that it was oh, that, way. that was that was a lot of fun and so it, it was it, i have had some listeners that have come on to the they become a part of the ride or die cruise, I call them, my loyal listeners. They actually went back on our YouTube channel to the very first few shows that we did. It was hysterical. I had hair. Uh, it was funny, but still. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Carter is now on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Man, how does that feel? I want to ask you a personal question first.
2: Oh, man. It it, it has felt like such a blessing. Um I, I, uh, as you know, I started with BTSC, I bounced around a bunch, Mm -hmm. Um, but to be, to be writing and working with the Post Gazette's name, and like, you know, I, you know, I've been in the press box for some years now, like, I've been able to go to games, go to practices, talk to Tomlin at his press conferences, that's been a thing, but now it's like, I'm getting all of that, and now it's like, I'm also with the PG, the kind of the gold standard of, you know, Pittsburgh newspaper yeah. and Pittsburgh sports news out there. You know, I, I work with Jerry Dulack. I work with, you know, Ray O'Brien Brian Batko. We get to do things. And I, you know, I cover Pitt right now for them, um, you know, and that's awesome too because I, I, I really enjoy the Pitt beat. I've, you know, I think that they have, especially football and basketball right now, there's a lot going on and there's some great people with both of those programs that have, you know, great to partner with. And I have a great partner Noah Hiles, uh, I could, I couldn't ask for much better right now as far as doing that and my locked on work and my stuff with Channel Eleven. Uh, I'm just I'm very blessed to um have to be working with a lot of the people that I'm working with these days.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm happy for you, man. It's great Thanks. to see someone that grinder make it in the uh to, <laughs> the, 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 to the level of a Post Gazette. You know, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. like you said, that's like the like gold standard of Pittsburgh sports media. And so I'm happy for you. And as as he said, you know, he still covers the Steelers. He's in the locker room, he's asking Mike Tomlin questions during his press conferences on Tuesday. I want to talk about coaches, but I want to, I want to pump the brakes on that a little bit. I want to talk about Kenny Pickett first. So uh, you used to be with uh, an outlet and then you went to another outlet briefly before going to the post-gazette. When you were in that brief stint with that other outlet, Mm -hmm. uh, I actually had someone that, that writes for the Steelers on my podcast in one of these Monday morning conversations last year. And he kind of openly said he didn't really think Kenny Pickett was going to be that guy. Uh, he mm-hmm. didn't like his arm strength. He didn't think and he covered him at pit as well. He guys you know, just he just didn't think like he had it. That it now, after a, a season, you know, where we've seen Kenny Pickett at minicamp, OTAs, training camp, preseason, obviously week four at halftime, he comes in against the Jets. Mm-hmm. In terms of your expectations, did he exceed them? Did he meet them or did he fall up short fall short? What did you what, what were your thoughts on Kenny Pickett, Chris?
2: You know, I, I think Kenny Sort of exceeded his growth from where he was like, you know, one of my favorite lines that we had kind of all season long, uh, Alan Saunders from Steelers now uh, said it first. He was like, you know, when people say NFL ready when it comes to quarterbacks in the draft, it just means ready to get your butt kicked. Like it doesn't mean you're ready to come in and dominate, you know, Joe Burrow was two, seven and one in his rookie year. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, so people often forget about like some of the things that guys went through in their rookie seasons. You know, Josh Allen didn't look like he does now, Um. you know, you know when, when he came into the league uh, and everything. So I, I think that a lot of this comes back to just needing to remember the important part of, you know, it. You, we knew that things were going to be rough, especially in an offense that is not formed like Ben Roethlisberger. When he came in, he's, you know, he is the gold standard when it comes to that situation. But again, Ben had a very stable offensive line with a hall of famer and Alan Fanica, Jeff Hardings was in front of him. like, they had it locked down and then they had a run game. They had playmaker wide receivers who already knew what they needed to do. So he was more so just a puzzle piece being fit in there at what is the most important position, but still, you know, you're, there's not as much being asked of him. It wasn't until like 2007 or 2008 when like he even started making locker room speeches. Like that's how, that's a little, they needed him in leadership with that core of Steelers that was there. Um, And I think what you saw with Kenny was he kind of jumped into those type of roles. Like he's the guy that's studying, people are getting behind him. People are really loving to play with him. And uh, I, you know, I think that I was expecting him to come in and just sort of, Manage games and then them find ways to win because the run game took off or the defense dominated and they st- and those two things still happened and needed to happen, but I didn't expect him to to have four game winning drives uh, at at the tail end of the season with uh, with you know with that and like when you look back at like Ben Roethlisberger's career, I think he only had that kind of a season five times maybe when you look back at how many times. Um, he had game winning drives you know he he did it there were some seasons where he just did it a lot like in fact his last season he, he had like six or seven but like um when it came to you know his game winning drives like there were just like uh, there were some years where like there was only like two or three moments like that and I think after a while you get to a point where like that becomes numb and you just think that happened all the time like his his rookie season he had like he had five and uh but you look at how many times he had four i think it's 2004. 2008, 2017, 2020, and 2021. So, yeah, five years out of his entire career, we had that many or more game-winning drives. And for Kenny Pickett to come through in those moments, I think it shows his poise, his focus, and his growth uh, because, you know, stats are cool and great, and they, and you need to put up good stats because sometimes that, that, that reflects your game. But how you respond in the moment when your team is either down or tied, that to me is vital to the, to, to showing what kind of a player you're going to be in your career.
0: You know, everyone always talks about in the draft, lead up to the draft, you know, ceilings, floors. I always say, I joke, around. I'm going to leave ceilings and floors to Bob Vila. For me, I want to ask, you know, in terms of potential for Kenny Pickett, if you were to try and paint a picture in your opinion of Kenny Pickett and the potential that he possesses, not only in year two, but throughout his career, Is there going to be a big jump, do you think? Or do you think kind of what we saw at the end with the clutch moments, being able to move the ball and just hopefully improving in the red zone and that production in that area? What do you think about that?
2: I think it's going to require a few things from the Steelers. One, I think you're seeing in the playoffs the importance of strong offensive lines for their quarterbacks and giving them time to process, and also giving them the 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 reliance to say, "Hey, I'm just going to hand it off to my running back. He's just going to have a big hole to go to go through." I think Najee Harris really found his found his steam in the second half of the season. Uh, you know, I think one, he healed up his foot. Uh, completely, and that allowed him to kind of get a further boost. But I also think that he started understanding when and where he could trust his offensive line. Now, here's the thing: is that that offensive line I think did well in some really good matchups down down late in the season. But you can see, like at the first Ravens game. There were times where like they were just overmatched. And that's fine. That doesn't mean that those guys stink or anything like that. But you have two fourth rounders on the left side. You know, Mason Cole, a free agent guy that didn't cost you that much. James Daniels, a good free agent pickup that I think that, that they, they acquired. I think he's going to be one of the long-term pieces. And you have Chukes, who I think is very solid, but not an aggressive, like stalwart guy. You need two anchor type of offensive linemen on either side, wherever you can get them. And I think that that's where they need to get if they get those things. I think it makes things so much easier for Kenny Pickett to process. I think he learns to trust his guys a bit more, and I think that it's going to help that chemistry come across all the board. And you're going to see numbers boost from Deontay Johnson and George Pickett. I don't know if the jump is going to be like you know Pro Bowl level, but I do think it's going to be the Steelers get if they draft the way I think that they should draft and you know align their roster because they can also have money to make free agency moves. They do the right things, build up the trenches, you know, maybe you know fortify the right parts of the defense. This offense. Should get up to, I think, the goal should be above 16th and above in in the NFL. Like if they can get to anywhere, like top 10, is a lot to ask. But if they can get anywhere between 16 to 12, I I think that that's a win of a season. That you're you're saying, like, hey, this young offense took a big leap. We've been in the, the 20s back and forth for years. Uh, and uh, now it's a chance for us to jump back up. And then you're saying, okay, if you have your offensive line, you have your quarterback, you have your running back, you have your young receiver, your old receiver, your tight end, now go and get, you know, maybe the superstar. Cause everyone wants to get Jordan Addison, that superstar wide receiver right now. Those wide receivers come every year in the draft. There's always three or four guys. Everyone's yeah. like, whoa, that guy's going to take over the NFL. George Pickett's perfect example. Wait for that to happen. Uh, wait for that to happen, but fortify the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I think that you set yourself up for Kenny Pickett to kind of be the leader of a team that's refortifying its identity.
0: Given the system, like Ben Roethlisberger had early in his career, given the yes. system, and he should be able to flourish. Now, one of the aspects of this, and it's kind of a caveat, is I talked about the lack of production. Because the Steelers moved the ball well in the second half of the season, but they did fail to just convert into touchdowns, their red zone conversions, and even just getting on the cusp of the red zone. That's when the drives would stall. They'd have those beautiful drives, 10 plus plays grinding out the clock. And it equates to a field goal. And oftentimes if it was a missed field goal with Chris Boswell, having a subpar season, boy, that was a gut punch, but a lot of people put the blame, not on necessarily Pickett, but on Matt Canada. So Matt Canada, we already know he will be back in 2023. Chris, my question for you is as someone that covers this team, it's in the locker room. When they made that decision,
2: your thoughts were what? You know, I, I my thoughts were, I kind of I get it because I'm not. If, if anyone's listened to me, they know that I'm not the biggest Matt Canada critic. There's times where I think like mm, they could have done that better, or that, that I think this should be the direction that they that they push this offense in. But you look at a guy who last year basically just couldn't do much with the offense. He just this is Ben's offense. Let him run it. That was Ben's offense. And several players have said that it was Ben's calls all the way. Like people said, whenever things were going well, Oh, Ben's calling the plays now. No, but Ben was calling the plays when they stunk too. But I think <laughs> this year was his, was Matt Canada's first chance to be like, all right, this is my offense. But he started with a journeyman vet quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. He then switched to a rookie quarterback who was figuring out how to play in the NFL. He had an offensive line that was still figuring out how to block together. He had a hurt running back for half the season. Um And, You know, I think none of these guys knew how to play together and it takes time to get that. And I think that that's where the Steelers were like, you know, there's potential here because like a lot of people say, oh, Canada has the Saturday offense and he calls Saturday plays. And it's like maybe you don't realize, but almost all of the concepts that are working right now are coming from college offenses. Andy Reid's offense is all of them and they and, and it it's an art to make them work. It's not just call them and they work. Part of it's also practice needing the right guys to execute them, needing guys who are experienced enough to know how to execute them in the right way. All of those things play major factors into what uh what needs to be done for the Steelers offense. But Matt Canada coming back, I don't think it's a death. No, I, I personally felt like if they let him go, I was gonna be like, okay. Go and and you go get someone that you, that's been experienced and has built up a young quarterback with a young offense before. I wouldn't have had a problem with it, but him staying, I'm also like, you know, I I don't think he is the 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 ultimate obstacle that's holding back this offense. I think that that's been ex- inexperience I think it's been timing, and I think it's the offensive line that improved by a lot by the end of the year. But they need some butt kickers, some guys that are just going to dominate. Every game like, you know, I I think that, you know, James Daniels and Mason Cole, they were the close to doing closest to doing that. Uh, I think Kevin Dotson in the tail end of the season, like my my only problem with Kevin Dotson was that he would have some great games and he would have some terrible games. And if he's able to take away those terrible games, I think he's he he can be one of those long term guys, Uh, because when he's at his highest, he's kicking a lot of butt. But I think especially the, the offensive tackles. They need guys who are going to be maulers at those positions. And I think Chooks is a really good pass blocker who doesn't maul anybody. I think Dan Moore Jr. can maul people, but he's not a great pass blocker. And if they can find ways to get some guys who are dominant at those positions, I think Matt Canada's offense, you see a lot more of what it can do. Um, So, yeah, I wasn't that torn It. I also didn't think that it was. uh, If they moved on from, I I just just don't think it's as big of a deal as people have made it out to be. Because some people think it's like, oh well, they're doomed. They're gonna they're gonna finish at nine and eight again next year. And I think maybe they do. But I I think that every year, and you and I you and I have talked about this off camera before. Circumstances apply. You know, if if you had told me that this team was nine and eight when they were what two and six, and we didn't know when T.J. Watt was playing again, uh, you'd you'd have taken that right. But If uh, you know at the beginning of the season, you know, if you were saying that they were going to be seven and 10 or whatever, uh, you know, and they and they outdid your expectations without TJ Watt, this team was a lot better than you expected if you if you predicted that and I think that those expectations, you know, coming down if if TJ Watt doesn't get hurt this year. I think this is an 11 plus win football team and we're talking about them a lot differently. I think we're looking at them a lot. Like we look at the giants now, even though they got slaughtered by the Eagles, they had a really good playoff win over the Vikings. You saw growth from that team. Uh, I think the biggest thing was, is they didn't have a $30 million superstar defensive player of the year that they were missing for half the season. That's a great point. A little bit of perspective there. Now something I want to bring
0: up, and this will be the last topic because I wanted to get your team needs. You've definitely dived, dove into those throughout the, the conversation. Yeah, everyone wants to talk about Matt Canada. Everyone wants to talk about the offense. And that makes sense. You have Kenny Pickett. Is he the next guy? We'll see. We, don't know. You, we just talked about that. No one is really talking about the defensive side of the football from a coaching perspective. Hmm. I want to get your thoughts on Terrell Austin. It was his first time being the defensive coordinator, and also Brian Flores' influence. Now, it doesn't look like Brian Flores will be back, barring him saying, I don't want any of these positions. He's a hot commodity out there. You know, Minnesota wants to interview him for their defensive coordinator. Atlanta, same thing. I heard Arizona might be interested in him as a head coach. It doesn't seem like he'll be back. So my question for you from some of the covers of the team is, what was your take? On Terrell Lawson in his first year as the defensive coordinator, and will the Steelers miss Flores assuming that he'll be gone next season?
2: I think he'll, you'll, they'll definitely miss Flores on that part. Uh, beyond even the defense, his presence, he didn't just work with the defense, like he talked to offensive players. Like after their first win, um, over the Bengals, you know, you could see him coming out of the tunnel, and he was like, he was with Pat Fryer, with being like, That's what I told you to do, that's what we do, and, and like. There's that energy that he has that I think that he's kind of given as a senior assistant, whatever that the, the name. The, I forget the name of the mm-hmm. position they gave him. Yeah. But he has that that room to, to kind of move around. And heck, Kenny Pickett even talked about how he and Brian Flores helped him at times it, throughout throughout the year. Having that presence in the locker room is a good thing. I, you know, I, I, even if you know the linebackers didn't work out the way that you wanted them to. Um, I, I think that Devin Bush got better, but certainly not to top 10 pick better and what you need to, from a guy who's going to be your starter for the long term. Um, but I think that losing him is going to hurt. And I think that they should look into other you know, guys who are of that caliber. Uh, who you know, who could come in and kind of be be senior assistants and kind of help Mike Tomlin be a leadership presence in the locker room or in the in the training facility, just being like, hey, you know what, another pair of eyes, another another mouth that can, you know, they of course Tomlin's still a head guy, but I think it helps having guys who know how to lead a room, which is the most important part of being a head coach. Like people talk about, oh, play calling, oh, this, that, and a third, but if you don't know how to command a locker room. If you don't know how to keep everyone invested, you can call the great plays you want. They're not going to play for you. And I think that's what Mike Tomlin has in spades over a lot of coaches in the NFL. And I think that Brian Flores, he has a good bit of that as well. And that's why if they lose him, I think they should go get somebody. What was the other part of your question? Terrell Austin, man. His first time as the
0: coordinator and taking over for Keith Butler. Keith Butler was a genius at creating pressure. Uh, They didn't get as many sacks. But like you said, you lose your defensive player of the year, and that's going to impact those numbers. Alex Highsmith still has 14 and a half sacks. A fantastic year for him. Cam Hayward reaches double-digit sacks. So outside of the performance of individual players, what did you think about Austin as a defensive coordinator?
2: I I thought that Austin – got the group together and the one thing that I thought that they had to do this year with Austin as a DB's coach who was promoted to the position, they needed to turn up the interceptions. They led the NFL in interceptions. They accomplished you, you got that part of your defense. And I think that that's going to be huge for what this defense could be in the future. If TJ Watt can be healthy, I think that, you know, we're all talking about the offensive line. They also need to draft defensive line. They need to fortify that. Get, I, I think, Two of the uh, three of my top priorities for the Steelers this offseason are well, four if you do this offensive line, defensive line, off ball, linebacker, corner. Those four things are addressed in a strong way. I think this team is going to be rocking next year. And, um, I, I and it can come from draft or free agency, but I, I think you saw. You know, the linebackers were never the the, stal- the the stalwart linebackers that you were hoping could develop in either Miles Jack or Devin Bush this year. But you saw, you know, OK play for them. If they could get a, an above average player from them, a guy who could kind of, you know, be a leader that's behind that, that's not the ultimate leader of the defense. You know, I, that's why I think Tremaine Edmonds, if they could get him, he'd be a perfect fit, because I think that there would be he would understand the deference of the team with Terrell Evans being of course his connection but like you know he wouldn't supersede Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward or or uh TJ Watt as leaders but he could be the off ball guy that's like hey guys let's go this is how we're doing this um and he's only 25 26 years old you could have him for years And have him be that guy that sort of and then you can draft a young linebacker who develops behind him and, you know, and kind of develop and works with him. So uh, I think that that's part of the process. But as far as Terrell Austin, you know, I think that he calls a decent defense. I think it's still, you know, of course, he has to call Mike Tomlin's defense, uh, you know, in the throughout the process. Mike Tomlin is absolutely going to have his influence there. But as far as what they emphasized, the, the secondary, despite not having a Jalen Ramsey type corner or a Darius Slay, they were getting after they were getting after the football. They were making strong plays. Uh, I, I thought that they they were a lot. There were some games that you saw them let up a little bit, but uh, by and large, with Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace, Akella Witherspoon, and James Pierre, those corners were rocking, and Arthur Mollette too. And I, I think if you give him more, t- another like really strong tool in the cornerback room. I think that that defense becomes even better. So I, I think he did a fine job. They finished top ten in scoring. You know, if you told again, if you told me that T.J. Watt was going to give miss two months of play and you still finished as a top ten defense, I'd say that you did a good job on defense. So, um, all, you know, all things being considered, there with the Steelers, I think that they 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 they. Fixed up a lot of the run defense. They got they 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 got the uh, the the they got the coverage to work when it, to get the interceptions. Now I just think they need to solidify some more things. And Terrell Austin, I think he's doing just fine.
0: So the moral of this story is, folks, listen to Chris Carter talk. It's that the coaches aren't the problem. They need to fortify this roster. And once they do that, the coaches should be just fine. And that's good. That's a good thing if you're a fan out there listening. But, Chris, I thank you for your time. Go ahead and let the listeners know. I don't know if we have time for all the things that you do. You're (laughs) quite a busy man. Uh, So let's just leave it to the Steelers. What are you doing with the Steelers right now?
2: Well, I cover the lock, I cover the Steelers through the Locked On Steelers podcast, which you can find on uh, Monday through Friday on Apple, Spotify, like Google Podcasts, Odyssey, YouTube, anywhere that you get podcasts. It's just a daily show. We cover. We we just talk all things Steelers with a bunch of different guests. Uh, Jeff's been on that show more than a few times. Uh, we'll have him back again soon. Uh, but uh, also, I I work for Channel 11 WPXI in Pittsburgh. I often come on their Sunday night Final Word show. Uh, And then sometimes I do a little bit of extra Steelers stuff with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. So on the North Shore Drive podcast, which is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as well there. So you can catch me on all things there talking all things Steelers uh, because I'm always – I'm always busy doing something, Jeff.
0: <laughs> I know that. I know that. Well, Chris, thank you for your time. For the listeners out there, don't forget on Tuesday, check out my Twitter feed at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T for that mailbag question. Make sure you respond to that tweet. I'll answer your question live on Wednesday's show. You know how we finish out the show here, folks. So be safe. Be kind. God bless. We'll see you on Wednesday.
1: I was every night
0: sipping coffee burning on